Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host Harry Karadimus. Hello and welcome to Business and Property Development. This month, I finally get to share with you an amazing collaboration I had with Alan Samet. CEO and Managing Director of Summit Group. If you're in the industry, you'll no doubt have heard of Summit Group and the amazing developments that they have delivered and have in the pipeline. What you may not know is the rich family history and heritage that three generations of the Summit family have been building and nurturing over the past 40 years. I always marvel at how family businesses begin, evolve and successfully pass the baton on to the next generation who in turn add their touch and legacy. This was one of the main reasons I wanted to speak with Alan to find out more about his stories and journey. Suffice to say, given the success that Summit Group has achieved, Alan is one of the most humble and modest business leaders I've had the privilege to speak with. I won't say too much more on this as I'll let Alan's passion for both his company and his projects do the talking. So with that in mind, Settle in and enjoy a fantastic journey by an amazing individual. Alan, welcome to the podcast and so great to have you with me today. Thank you for the invite. My pleasure, mate. There are a couple of key themes which I'm really looking forward to unpacking with you today. The first is the way in which Summit Group has continually reinvented itself and evolved over the past 40 years. The second is the way in which successive generations in the Samet family have come together, worked together, and as a result, taken the company to new heights. And the third are your industry insights as a steward of this amazing company, but also as the creator of beautiful projects. So developments that seek to lift people's spirits, to regenerate communities, and to leave a positive mark on our urban fabric. Thank you. Let's talk about the origin story of Samet Group, and then we can go from there. So if you can tell me, at its inception, what was Samet Group called and who founded it? Well, if I really have to wind the clock back, my father, Paul Samet, immigrated from Malta post-war, 1952. He came across to Australia on a carpentry apprenticeship with the Australian government with a year's work to be provided for him and then the opportunity to go back home if it didn't suit him from there. He obviously came to Australia, started as a carpenter, working at the dockyards, which is he was doing in Malta during the war from the age of 14, working in the dockyards there. And when he did come, he was working on the Royal Yacht in Sydney. He then evolved into a building company which was called P&V Summit Constructions, and that was basically Paul and wife, my mum, Victoria. So we started up P&V Summit Constructions and that was the first part of the Samet name, being out there as builders. In terms of the kind of construction that they're involved in, was it houses or...? Yeah, yeah. P- predominantly homes. Dad was just started off doing refurbishment of homes and then went into doing contract homes, just bespoke one-on-one contract homes. He did do a few spec homes himself and while I was a kid, he did dabble in the development uh, side with few apartment blocks in the Carlton area, but predominantly, yeah, he was just a contract builder. So given it, we're just doing a brief history at the moment, mm. so the evolution of Samet Homes there, became... Yep. I'm a twin. My brother's name is John. We obviously uh, schooled together and 
did our HSC and when we finished our HSC, we a few decisions like with everyone that finishes their HSC as to what they're going to pursue and do for the rest of their lives. John decided to go on and do accountancy. I begged my father to allow me to go and work with him in the construction industry, which I loved because I used to, my holidays and my weekends, I'd just spend on site with my dad. I just loved the creative side of building and really the delivery of something that people actually touch and feel and change the way that they live their their lives on it. Reluctantly, and I say that honestly, <laughs> reluctantly, my dad did say to come along and, and work with him. And I started labouring and laying bricks and getting nails out of timber and all of the stuff that he wanted me to hate so that um, maybe he would make me change my mind. During that initial stage, I'd met a, a local young draftsman who was just starting drafting and we sat down one day and collectively sketched up a design which was a tri-level home. So it just, it suited sloping sites. And I would to dad with with an idea that we could pitch this home as as a bespoke project home so that it can be adapted to sloping sites from there timing wise the whole cherry book area had just opened up as subdivisional land and so had menai and illawong open up as subdivisional land where people were buying plots and then looking for homes to be built on those areas predominantly are sloping areas and our tri-level design forward sloping and upward sloping blocks seemed to hit a chord and just started to gain momentum and more and more the company then evolved to being Samet Homes and we had a few display homes out of Bella Vista and a couple in the Menai area. We started to ramp up business and it got busier and busier that John then came and joined the business with us. And Summit Homes went through quite an extensive growth period then for the first few years. I'd say it probably ran for six to seven years under that um, premise of doing project homes. And at one stage, we were probably building 40-odd homes at a time around the Sydney area. And so that was the Summit Homes part to it. does go on from there. Yeah, yeah. Close to 30 years ago or just under about 28 years ago. And my dad had a minor stroke and had to go through a quadruple bypass. He just decided he'd had enough of the industry that he was in. And at that time, interest rates were 18% percent and a completely different world to what today is he just said i want out I, I, this is not what i want to do anymore and look to be honest with you at that stage it, it was tough we, we had a lot of work on and and a lot of debt out there and paying that that interest rate so we sold up the display homes and cashed out where we could and came out of it with just a little bit. And my dad offered my brother and I a little bit of an incentive and John and I looked at each other and said, well, we love what we're doing building in that, but let's build our own product and start developing and let people buy our product in lieu of building for clients yep. contractually. And so we set up Summit Developments, John and I, and that company, its inception was about 28 years ago. Obviously, when you start a new business, you learn along the way and uh, you don't actually realise the true complexities of it. But the biggest thing that we learned starting up Summit Developments was developing takes many years and you're the last one to be paid yes. in the development and <laughs> everyone needs to be paid along the way and at the end and if you're lucky enough or well, not lucky enough, if the job does go well enough, that what's left at the end 
after you pay everyone and your taxes and everything else is your profit as a developer. So we quickly realised cash flow was key to being a developer. So we thought we'd need to do some contract terms and so we earmarked the luxury and very high-end resi contractual side of it where we were building homes back then starting at three and a half to four million dollars a build and so we really earmarked ourselves into that luxury high-end market which helped brand our developments as a luxury high-end brand of developments as well and so summit uh, summit development sorry then went through a steady and organic growth stage. We were predominantly building townhouses and villas for probably the first half of the summit development lifeline. Then in a conversation with my dad one day, and I wanted him to get a bit more active and come and move to Cronulla where both John and I were living. He threw out something to us and said, if you build something in Cronulla, well, I'll come and and I'll live there. And that was the start of our transformation into the multi-res side of it. And our first project being Coast at Cronulla, which was on the ocean front at Cronulla, so pure waterfront block where... We, we did push the envelope, John and I, and we came up with our architects at the time, just a simple four-level building with one apartment per floor that had never been done before in mm. the area and with a price tag that was never seen before. And that was so well received and we saw the potential for that downsized market wanting to live in what I'd call a sky home or an apartment, not a unit. And, yeah, we just started expanding the the multi-res side of it, predominantly in Cronulla and on the eastern seaboard. And Summit Developments went on. We've accumulated over 40 major industry awards and in with the HIA and the MBA, always wanting to achieve one pinnacle award to my career. And we did work our way through that. And fortunately enough, near the end of our building career, um, we were engaged to build a home for a client, which was just a dream home to be a part of it. That home was Nautilus. The gentleman there was a local and he entrusted us to build what he wanted to be Australia's best home in the Sutherland Shire. With our architects himself and ourselves, we designed that home and we went through a build. And fortunately, before my father did pass away in 2017, he got to see Summit Developments and and his sons win the Master Builder Australia of the Year with the HIA Australian Home of the Year and People's Choice Award, plus numerous other awards. So it was a nice way to actually sign off on our construction side to the business. That's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It it played out well. And our last build is where you're sitting here right now in in our office in Cronulla. And it was part of a heritage refurbishment and a new add-on to it. So I think it was appropriate that our last build ended up being a heritage building. So It will be here forever and on the bank vault down at the entrance to it, which we kept because it was the old Commonwealth Bank here and the development is called Bank with a C. We've got a plaque there in in honour and in memory of of our father who gave us the chance to take the business to what it was and that was the summit development side. That's I know, it's incredible. (laughs) So, yeah, it's been a long, long organic journey but Mm. um, at that stage then when we shut down the construction side to the business, 
my brother and I thought up until that stage, the only two people that worked in Summit Developments was my twin brother and I. We had no other staff, no secretaries, no people assisting us in that sense. Every now and then we had someone come on board for a little while, but as employees, there was only my brother and I. And we worked hard to build up Summit Developments to, to where it was. So we thought we might just dabble in a few developments here and there as we needed to moving forward. And and then COVID hit and my son Julian hit me up on a Sunday afternoon and he probably timed it quite well. It was a lazy Sunday afternoon by the pool. He suggested that he come and work with my brother and I. And at that stage, we really had no work and did not have a business plan or anything to move on with. And it was a weird situation to be in where I thought, well, I'd love for him to come and work with us and carry on the business and the name that did start with my father, but we just really had no pipeline of work or anything. So we picked up a development management thing that we co-branded on so I could introduce Julian into it. From there, we had the opportunity to buy another development site and it all started to just unravel with COVID and we saw opportunities with COVID. So... Julian came to us and he suggested that we go through another rebranding, being that he'd come along and join us. And we decided collectively, the three of us, that we would try and diversify, not just from being developers, but looking at other income streams. And and that was the formation of Summit Group, which is uh, where we are now. And, And that business is seeing us evolved into some amazing developments in Australia first one being out in New South Wales also which is on on the Gold Coast on the beachfront there and being the first one there it is coast as well but also venturing out now into hospitality pub ventures a marina and even co-working ventures with partners as well and I'm blessed to think that you know something that started so long ago with a migrant from Malta a brand with the surname Samadon, it holds a bit of stature in, in the industry nationwide. Yeah, it sure does. Very proud of. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you. So, I mean, those key evolutionary phases, I'd love to unpack with you in some sort of chronological order. I'd also love to take a step back to where you were mentioning when your father came over and with carpentry. Carpentry apprenticeship, yeah. yeah. But I'd also like to place you, you always settled in, in Cronulla, like in the Shire area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Born and bred in the Sutherland Shire and Grew up in Sylvania and moved to Cronulla and it was an interesting time growing up in Cronulla but a beautiful lifestyle to be brought up in and as they say, you know, you're born in the Shire, you live in the Shire. Shire. (laughs) I'm still living in Cronulla and I've brought up my children in Cronulla and um, fortunate enough to have most of my development work that we're still under doing at the moment in, in Cronulla sure. as well. You mentioned you were always super happy being on job sites and being in construction, but did you start out with that want after you finished school or did you study something else and eventually realise that you were going to come back to it? Oh, no, look, um, my dad wanted me to be the lawyer and John to be the accountant. That was that was the European <laughs> migrant dream coming here and he worked hard to put us through an education, but... When I did approach my dad after my HSC, I had the opportunity to go to university, but after convincing him to let me go with him, I did my carpentry apprenticeship and then got my builder's license from there. And I love designing, I, I love building, I love leaving a legacy behind and having people 
live in something that we've done or eat in something that we've done or and delivered to the public. It's, it's a great sense of accomplishment and it's nice to walk by and even have my kids walk by and, and I'm sure my father saw that as well, looking at places that you have built and seeing people enjoy what you've delivered to them. Well, actually, that's something that I wanted to discuss with you with regards to Samet Homes. It was the the creation of homes that were quite different to what was around at, at that point in time. So what did you guys see and what were you delivering? Like you mentioned the tri-level home, something that wasn't, it wasn't a thing back then. And so were there other things that you were putting into homes, into the designs that were making them quite different to what was being developed at that point in time? If you think of project homes, predominantly flat block of land, slab on ground, there's your home, take it or leave it and set at a price in that. To deliver a project home that would suit sloping sites wasn't so much just a project home. They were they had to be adapted to the slope of the site yep. and we came up with a design that could be adapted to that and when I say project home it was a bespoke project home each one was unique and designed according to the client's site and client's requirement but yeah at that stage we did have a few different intricacies with the design of the homes in higher ceilings and and rake ceilings and you know expansive living areas and big decks Big balconies was always something. Obviously, that started because the sloping site normally offers views. So the big balcony side to it was something that I carried on through my whole career. And when we started doing the developments and the apartments, one thing that our brand became known for was the large oversized balconies because we tried to always provide a living environment for the downsizers that wasn't a unit, as I said before, but somewhere where they could live indoor and outdoor and feel like they still had that luxury of owning a home where they had an indoor and outdoor space and a large outdoor space to enjoy. Because you find that quite lacking in a lot of developments these days where you can't, even from the street, you look at them and you're like, how are people using this? You can't. Can't even put a chair on it. Yeah, that's it. There's a couple of reasons for that. Obviously, there's a cost impost Mm. on it and that being that over certain square metres, they have to be... Uh, sprinkled but also you don't in Sydney you don't actually get a square meter based return on the size of the balcony or the deck but for me it was just not like an insurance policy but something that added value to our product and we always did return a premium price on our product and even for my clients who buy my product when they do on sell Mm. they do achieve a, a higher premium on their sales by using the Samet brand uh, behind it yeah as well. absolutely yeah. so with regards to summit developments and, and transitioning the company so you mentioned uh, with your dad taking a, a breather and your brother and yourself taking more of the helm transitioning the business model you mentioned this was one of the most interesting things i thought was how do you move from construction where you get paid for building a product to, to actually owning the asset and then pouring your money in and it being the last one coming out How did you get into the luxury homes side of things and be able to build that side up where you're also trying to do your own? It was scary, I have to say, realising the equity that was required to do developments and what you'd have to risk every time you would do a development. Like I said before, the cash flow part to it is the hardest part. Your best development, your best scenario would be three and a half years, maybe four, Developments can run out, as you know, five years Mm. and plus, especially in today's environment. So it is a long time between paydays. 
going back into doing the contract homes to uh, subsidise the development side of it, we were lucky enough to be recommended to a very successful local who put his trust in us designing a beachfront home for him. From there, we just started to get more and more referrals and brands started to to gain more momentum. And with the coast development, that really cemented the luxury side to the brand and that being the first coast development that we did 16, 17 years ago in Cronulla, which was a product that had never been done in Cronulla, one of the first ever to be done in Sydney of that colour, but had a pool on each level. They were complete full floor apartments. And back then we were in the four and a half million dollar range. It's a lot, isn't it? It was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot and it was a big gamble, but we backed it. It was a site and this is how we've always approached our development side to it and probably why the contractual side gained a lot of momentum. We we always looked at the delivery of quality, not quantity. So on that site that I'm talking about in case I got a put 16 apartments on there, but we chose to only put four. That, like I said, was was a big gamble, but we believed that there would be a desire and a, and a need for it. And that led us on to all these successful developments that we have already delivered in Cronulla and, and a pipeline now of another five in Cronulla. Amazing, amazing developments that are really going to change the character and improve the lifestyle of everyone that lives in Cronulla and visits Cronulla and the Shire in general. Well, that's actually something I'd love to touch on with some landmark projects. So now in terms of the way companies unfold, I mean, there are always times when things, you know, might seem a bit tense and and hard. Were there times where you just thought, are we spreading ourselves too thin? And sometimes there are just economic situations where you're just completely out Out of control. You just have to ride them out. Did you face any of those and how did you wear them through to come out the other end? Oh, my dad drilled into me a few things uh, during our childhood and, and in the early part of our career. And essentially, one of the things that dad always said was Rome wasn't built in a day. And definitely like what you said, there are so many things that are out of control, being a developer and even a builder. A builder as well, yeah. And even a builder as well. And you have no control over them. And unfortunately, through no fault of a person or a company or, or an individual, that can be catastrophic and lead to the failure of the company. I suppose the way we looked at that was, yeah, number one, an organic, slow approach to our growth in our business. Number two, we prided ourselves on the quality of our product that we wanted to deliver. And I think that set us apart from the norm and that was always going to hold itself on its own, even through harder times because over a cycle of four years or five years, you'd never know what's going to be thrown at you. And then location. I think that was the other key part to it. So we were very selective on our sites and the design and the offering. That was insurance policy of some sort. But in our game, nothing is ever completely you know, bulletproof. Yeah, that no. you can mitigate as much as you can, but you also have to just yeah. have a crack. <laughs> There's risk to reward. If you don't give it a go, you, you're never going to know. John and I would just weigh it up. John was more the conservative side. I was obviously more the entrepreneurial side. And being twins, we are complete opposites, but it was a good yin and yang. And it worked well. He held me back and... I probably would have gone completely the other way if he wasn't there as my backstop. But that's another thing, I suppose, the partnership that John and I had. 
Can yeah. we talk about yeah. uh, family as, as business partners? Yeah. I think that's an incredible story in itself because it can be so successful, but it can also be quite hard. You guys have obviously managed to do that you know, spectacularly well. I don't know if it's a twin thing, or I've, but I do believe it's more the way that we were brought up. We were brought up with respect, essentially, and, and Dad always said to me, make sure you do everything right. Life is about doing the right thing. And and John and I just adopted that philosophy through our career. John and I kept the business tight and controlled. And like I said, it was just the two of us. And I suppose that enabled us to accept the risks that we were going to take and um, properly oversee every aspect of the business mm. at that growth stage so that we were on top of every part of it and we knew everything that was happening and every nail and every corner and every design element that was going on. And we never lost sight of that. So it just kept us a little bit more in control. And the last thing I would ever have wanted to see was mother and father ever see a split up with their twin sons. And there is only John and I in in the family. Our business relationship has led to a best friend relationship. John has taken a little bit more of a back step since Julian has come on board, but he is still a major part to the business. Yeah. But yeah, we've maintained a fantastic working relationship and, and brother relationship, so, so it is. And I think it's been instrumental and key to the success of the Summit brand. In terms of a dynamic, you mentioned you actually you were probably on site. and Yeah, that's how it worked. John yeah. basically ran the office side of it, yeah. looked after all the accounts. And running yeah. a building business is, is a very difficult industry and it's even at the moment even more so. So, yeah, that allowed our, our business to have an office presence with John being there and over every single transaction that was happening. And then me, I ran all the sites and the design mm. and worked with all the consultants and the architects. And I was the one that liaised with the clients and delivered the project that um, they expected from us. Did your dad come back into the fold as well? Like you mentioned, you wanted him to be more involved. Did he play a, a bit more of a role in Summit Developments? Dad was always still there in the background in yeah, Summit okay. Developments and obviously someone that we'd always talk to about every single deal and everything else. He did take a back seat in it, but he was always still there and always of sound advice. He came from a school of hard knocks and growing up in, during the war in Malta, he saw a lot of adversity, a lot of death and, and destruction. And he came to Australia with a mindset of making a better life for himself and, and a family. And he met mum here in, in Australia. She migrated here from Malta also, but she was five when she came with her family. They came to Mackay. Her father came here cutting cane, but they met at a dance in Paddington. And uh, I think Dad wooed her and uh, they stayed married and in love for their whole life until Dad sadly passed in 2017. But yeah, Dad was always still there and I owe everything to him. I owe my work ethics to him. I owe the opportunity for John and I to start Summit Developments to him. And he was a very generous and loving man and he was loved and respected by everyone in the industry as well. This is the end of the first part of the episode. Coming up will be the second and final part where we discuss the transition of Summit Homes into Summit Developments and the eventual evolution into Summit Group. We also discuss some of Summit Group's upcoming projects and how they're positioned to elevate the lives of not just the people that buy into their projects, but also the wider communities within which their developments sit. See you soon.